We've been in this series, Better. Because everybody in this room, I don't care where you're at in life, we all have something, at least one area of our life, if not more, that we want to see better in 2024. It could be financial, it could be relationships, it could be a marriage, it could be health, it could be your walk with God. But what we're going to talk about today may be the hardest thing to do for a lot of us, forgiveness. We're going to talk about forgiveness. Well, and it's, it's not easy. No, it's not easy. But I'm going to tell you, when you forgive someone, as the song said, you set yourself free. And if we're going to have a better 2024 in, in any area of those lives, we're going to have to deal with the issue of forgiveness. Letting things go. Not harboring and hanging on to resentment, bitterness. And I know this is a crazy idea uh, for the modern church, but I just think that if we call ourselves follower of Jesus, we ought to take our cues from the way he lived life, from what he had to say. Turn with me to Luke chapter 17. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, it'll come up here on the screen, but Luke 17 opens up with Jesus talking about temptation. And he, he says this, listen, it's not a matter of if you're tempted. You're going to be tempted. I mean, temptation is going to hit you from somewhere. And he begins to talk about that. But then Jesus dives into this. And I want to read a few different translations of John 17 verses 3 and 4 so we can really understand what Jesus is saying. This is the NIV. Jesus says this, so watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. If they repent, if they say, I'm sorry, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times they come back to you saying, I'm sorry, you must forgive them. Here's how the message reads that. Be alert. If you see your friend going wrong, correct him. If he responds, forgive him. Get, get this. Even if it's personal against you. Come on now. Even if it's personal against you and repeated seven times through the day and seven times he says, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Jesus says, forgive him. Here's how the voice translates it. So each of you needs to be careful. If your brother sins against you, confront him about it. Even if he wrongs you seven times in a single day, if he turns back to you each time and says he's sorry, he'll change. You must forgive him. Do you kind of get what Jesus is saying here? I mean, seven times in a day, even if it's personal, even if it's personal. Now I want us to jump to Matthew chapter 18. Jesus, again, he's talking about someone that offends you or hurts you. And he's talking here about brothers, sisters in Christ, fellow people that follow Jesus too. And I want to read this um, so you can see what, what Jesus, I'm going to read it from the voice, what Jesus says about this. Verses 15 7 through 17. Jesus says, this is what you do if one of your brothers or sisters sins against you. 
Go to him. Notice these next two words. In private. It doesn't say if one of your brothers or sisters sins against you, go to social media. See how many people you can get on your side and agree with you. It says go to them in private and tell them just what you perceive the wrong to be. If he listens to you, you've won a brother. But sometimes he will not listen. And if he does not listen, go back. Take a friend or two with you. Then if your brother or sister still refuses to heed, you are to share what you know, get this, with the entire church. So I've got some people I want to call up here today. <laughs> some of y'all. Just kidding. How would you like to live and be in that church? Come on. That's, that's how serious Jesus is taking it. But right after this, uh, Peter approaches Jesus with a question. And I think Peter's very sincere with this question. Look at verse 21 of Matthew 18. Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, if my brother sins, or brother keeps on sinning against me, how many times do I have to forgive him? Seven times? Seven times? Anybody remember what Jesus just said? That how many times were you to forgive somebody if they sin against you a day? Seven times? And I think, so I think Peter was, he was like, I'm just following Jesus with this. And here's what you need to understand. When Jesus says seven times, Jewish tradition was this. If someone sinned against you, you were only required to forgive them three times. After that, you were under no obligation to forgive them. And Jesus said, listen, take that, double it, plus one. So I think Peter thinks, I'm doing pretty good. I'm just doing what Jesus says. And, and so he says, hey, Lord, if my brother keeps on sinning against me, how many times do I forgive him? Seven times. And look what Peter says. No, not seven times, or Jesus says, but 70 times seven. 70 times seven. Peter's like, seven times Jesus? Jesus is like, that's a good start. But how about 70 times seven? 490 times, even with new math, that's what the number is. 490 times. Jesus says, make it 490 times. Hold that thought for a moment. Let me ask you, have you ever felt like there was something missing that you just didn't know what it was? You ever, you ever had that feeling? Come on, anybody. Like something's not right, but you don't know what it is. And here's why I say that. I believe there are things in our lives, things like anger, trust issues, self-esteem issues, bitterness, unforgiveness that are the result of something that is missing in our life, and we don't know what it is. Some of you, you can relate to this. You're angry all the time, and you're not sure why. You don't trust anyone, or you don't let anyone get too close to you. Keep everybody at hand. Come on, at arm's reach. You're constantly trying or wanting to be liked or accepted or you get offended very easily. 
What does that have to do with forgiveness? And Jesus telling Peter, not seven times, but 70 times seven. See, why, why does Jesus say we must forgive 490 times? If you know anything about the Bible, numbers are significant. They tell things, they tell stories in and of themselves. Well, the number 490, it, 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 here's what it was to the Jew, it represented Tamim, T-A-M-I-M, pull that up for me. Here's what it means, to complete, perfect, finished, or whole. See, Jesus wasn't just throwing out a big number to make a point. He was saying this, if you do not learn to forgive, if you do not learn to let go of bitterness, resentment, there is no way you will ever be whole or complete. See, when we don't forgive or when we hold on to those things, those things actually then take root in us. And they leave us feeling like something's missing. I just don't know what it is. And I believe that Jesus was making a statement that as long as you harbor unforgiveness or resentment, you will never be whole or complete. See, Jesus sits down with his disciples. I don't know if you remember this story. Um, and the disciples are like, hey, Master, teach us to pray. We've heard you pray, man. You're, you're phenomenal at it. You, you, you're a great prayer, Jesus. Teach us how to pray. Anybody remember this? The Lord's Prayer is what we call it. I, I want to read this from the New King James Version um, because I think it, it's going to show us again how important forgiveness is to Jesus. Uh, Matthew 6, starting with verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Bring up verse 12 of that. Jesus says this, pray like this. God, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. It could be said like this. God, give to us in the same way that we're giving to others. I don't know about you, but there are days I don't want God to give to me like that. Come on, are you with me? The, that, that word debt, it says forgive our debts. It's the Greek word aphalama. And here's what it means. That which is owed, that which is justly or legally due a debt, an offense, a sin. And when Jesus says pray like this, he says, pray, forgive me for the debt that I owe. I owe this. I legally owe this. It's mine to pay. Forgive me for this offense, this sin, in the same way that I am willing to forgive someone that owes me a debt, that, that has offended me, that has sinned against me. Guys, that's, here's what you need to understand if you're a follower, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you're taking notes, this is important. Forgiveness is not an option. It is a requirement. As a follower of Jesus, it's not an option. And Jesus is trying to get into Peter and into us that it's not really about whether you forgive someone three times a day, seven times a day, or even 490 times a day. But let me stop here and say this. If you've got a friend that you're having to forgive that much, 
You may need to set up some boundaries and get new friends. Uh, come on now. And I believe there are at least a couple of things that Jesus was trying to, to get across in this conversation with Peter. Number one, if you're taking notes, we are to forgive completely. See, listen, guys, I know because I know, I, I know the stories in this room. I know there are people that have had some terrible things that have been done to you, even some watching online. I know there are some real hurts in this room. So let me say this, forgiveness most of the time is not a one and done deal. Forgiveness is gonna be a process. It's gonna be a, sometimes it's gonna be easy. You're gonna have days when forgiveness comes easy and then there's gonna be th those days when you think you've forgiven someone and then you see them at Walmart at some store and you turn and go the other way because really you haven't released it completely. It's a process. I mean, th th this is real life. See, in order to forget, it, it is something we have to practice every day. We have to practice forgiveness. Another point that I think Jesus is making is this, and number two, forgiveness is the response of someone moving towards wholeness. Wholeness. You ever seen those before and after pics? Like uh, someone that's uh, maybe uh, trying to lose weight and they take a picture of their weight and then you see them a few months, you know, in a few, a few months and a few shots of Ozempic later. Uh, and they're, <laughs> come on now, ease up, ease up. Hey, listen, if it would work for me, I would, I'd, I'd say, shoot me up. Shoot me up, whatever. I mean, I've almost, I was like, hey, man, that person takes math and look how skinny they are. I'm like, I think I need about a 30 month. My, my, my wife's going, quit that, quit it. They're going to believe you. But you see the before and the after pictures. Here, here's the thing when it comes to forgiveness, you want to gauge how much you've grown in Christ? How good are you at forgiving? That's the question you've got to ask. How good am I at forgiving? Because if forgiveness is hard for us, there's room for us to grow. Are you with me, church? Now listen, 11 a.m., you know me. If, if, if y'all talk to me, this will go quicker and easier. But I have to pull it from you. We're going to be here a while. So, so man, they want to be here a while, babe. I'm sure. Let's go. How good are you at forgiving? Get this. Not just others. How good are you at forgiving yourself? Here's another question. How good are you at asking for forgiveness? Because here's the thing. If forgiveness is the sign of, the, uh, of someone moving toward wholeness, what is bitterness a sign of? What is unforgiveness a sign of? Do you, do you know what holding on to an offense or holding on to uh, unforgiveness, do you know what it does? It, here, here's what it does. Bitterness and unforgiveness, it forces you to live in the past. Because 
When you think about it, you're reliving what was said to you, what was done to you, and you're back there in the past. And if forgiveness, unforgiveness and bitterness keeps you in the past, guess what? It also keeps you from moving into your future. Forgiveness, guys. Here's, here's what I've seen in the people, man, in, in this church especially, because these are the people I know. And this is in your points, and you're going to just stay with me when I make this point. Forgiveness creates wholeness. Now, let me show you what I mean. A couple of weeks ago, we had a couple uh, uh, get, get baptized. Um, uh, Lord, my, my, Josh and Ashley, my mind just went blank. Um, and we've had others like Bradley and, and his wife and, and just different people. And if you wonder if I say his wife, that's because I forget names. I'm terrible. So let me just tell you, just be glad I, I remember Bradley. Uh, so, <laughs> but I see these people and here's what I know. Because of decisions they have made now, they may have come from dysfunction. They may have come from brokenness, but what they're doing is deciding, I'm making decisions that I'm going to create wholeness for future generations in my family to go from there. Listen, some of y'all have seen it. You've seen the generational cycle in your life, and you thought there could not be, you can, you'll never break it. But I'm going to tell you, if you will begin today to make the right decisions, uh, they talked about on the podcast, and choices, you can decide to create wholeness for the next generation. <laughs> Forgiveness creates wholeness. See, what's our community, church? We are a community of believers that believe that Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Are you with me? We believe he took the stripes upon his back. He endured the ridicule, the beatings, that we believe that Jesus, who never sinned, became sin so that anyone could call on his name and be saved. We believe that. And here's why I say that. We need to understand there is no gospel without forgiveness. There is no good news without forgiveness. There's no Watts Bar Community Church without forgiveness. There's no WB Kids, no CR, no A. Without forgiveness, life as we know it ceases to exist. We've got, I'm telling you, we've got to learn to walk in forgiveness. I mean, when Jesus, some of the very last words he spoke on the cross, he said, Father, what? Forgive them. In the middle of hurt, Father, forgive them. And then he says, it is finished. What's finished? The price, the cost for our forgiveness is paid. It's a done deal. Do you know what our message should be to this world? You're forgiven. You just need to accept it. You're forgiven. The price has been paid. It's just waiting for you to come and pick it up. See, everywhere we go, everything we do, our message should be forgiveness. 
Every person we come in contact, can I tell you, listen, when I was sinning, I knew I was a sinner. Anybody anybody have to tell you you were sinning? Anybody have to tell you you were just ungodly? I'm trying to think of the right word, a good word to say it. I'm like, no, nobody tell me. I knew what I was doing. So I didn't need a brother in Christ or somebody following Jesus to come along and tell me how bad I was doing. But what made a difference in me was somebody telling me, hey, forgiveness is here for the taking. He loves you right where you're at. If you will just accept that, he will begin to move in your life. You know what I think? I think it's easier, though, for us to forgive the world than it is for, to forgive those closest to us. Come on. But look what. Oh, man, this scripture messes with me. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place. Here it is. Quick to forgive an offense. Then he says, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. We are called to forgive quickly and completely. Why? Why? Because that's the way he forgave us. See, I believe some of the struggles that we have with forgiving others lies deep into a place where we really don't believe that we have been completely forgiven. Come on. I mean, in the back of our mind, we may say it, but somewhere in the back of our mind is this feeling, man, what I did, there's no way I could be completely forgiven. And when we're like that, when we can't accept that we've been completely forgiven, that makes it hard for us to completely give something. Forgive someone else. And as a result of that, we keep limping through this life. And we're just as broken as we were when we started the journey. Wholeness begins when we accept the complete forgiveness of God, guys. Okay, PK, I hear you. I'm going to forgive them. But I'd like to be able to sit here and my bitterness and unforgiveness for a little while. I get it. I get it. I, I've been there. I, I'm just going to forgive. I'm, I'm going to forgive them. But before I forgive them, I want to let everybody in my circle know what they did to me. I'm going to forgive them. And I'm not going to mention any names, but I just want to air this out on Facebook. According to the passage of Scripture we just read, followers of Jesus, there is a speed in which we are to forgive quickly. See, I'm I'm preaching from experience of having to forgive and having to be forgiven. And I know we want to sit in unforgiveness. We want to sit in in bitterness. We 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 want them to prove to us that they're worthy of being forgiven. 
or that they deserve to be forgiven. I, I've been there. But then I'm hit, hit with this reality. Is that what Jesus did for me? Did Jesus wait till I proved that I was worthy to be forgiven or did he just completely and quickly forgive me? Be quick to forgive offense and forgive as quickly and completely as God forgave you. We looked at this passage a couple of weeks ago in this series, but I want to revisit it. Luke 6, verses 27 through 29. Jesus says, hey, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those that mistreat you. If, I, if you're not a follower of Jesus, take a break because I'm just talking to people that call themselves Christians. When did it become okay and acceptable for followers of Jesus to be mean and nasty on social media? I'm going to let it sit there. Well, when did it become okay for us to air out our arguments with other brothers and sisters in Christ for the world to see. When did that become okay? Quit airing things out for not followers to be able to look at and say, listen, have not followers of Jesus look on, they see us arguing, seeing us tearing down, and we wonder why they don't want anything to do with us. Mm. Jesus said, bless those that curse you. This goes with what Pastor Ben was saying, this upside-down gospel. You curse me, I'll curse you. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those that mistreat you. Listen, I've not, I've not mastered this at all, not by a long shot. But I, what I am saying is that as followers of Jesus, we've got to get better at this. We've we got to quit excusing our behavior and acknowledge it, it's there and ask the Holy Spirit to begin to do the work in us that we can't do ourselves. Jesus says, bless those that curse you, pray for those that mistreat you, and it doesn't get any easier. Look what he says next. If somebody slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. So when someone takes your coat, hey, give them another one. Let me start. This passage has been, has been taken out of context so much. We've taken this passage as to say we cannot defend ourselves. That's not what he's saying. There's an offense that can be done to us that does more damage than an actual physical slap to our face or hit. And Jesus says, don't get trapped by that offense. If they offend you, don't retaliate. Don't re retaliate. Don't, come on, I, I love to retaliate. Come on, don't you? It feels good in the moment. And then I walk away from that thinking, what have I done? I just tell you, if somebody hits me, I'm probably going to hit them back. 
unless Holy Spirit just really, unless I'm speaking in tongues or something. And, but then again, the Holy Spirit may say, no, they deserve to be hit. Hit them back. I don't know. I don't, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But it's hard. We, we, we want to retaliate. But, and, but what, when he says somebody slaps you on the cheek, turn, turn them the other cheek, he's not saying, listen, no, defend yourself. Because in this day, Jewish custom was if somebody slapped you, it, the, it wasn't the physical thing. It was very offensive to them. And Jesus said, hey, don't retaliate. Don't get offended. Don't take on and carry the attitude of someone offended. We are living in an age and a culture when this is the easiest offended culture I've ever seen in my life. In fact, one study called this generation the snowflake generation. Come on. You don't have to try to offend someone. You can just say like Pastor Ben. Pastor Ben didn't wear that sweatshirt around to offend people. When, he, when I turned to Denise when he said, hey, it may trigger somebody. I, I told Denise, it should trigger somebody. I want, I want the, the gospel should trigger you. The truth of God should trigger you. The, the gospel should not make it where you feel okay to stay and live in your sin. If you can live in your sin state and not be convicted by God, I question whether you have a relationship with Jesus at all. Because I'm going to tell you, if you're living and if, if you've got a relationship with Jesus, you can count on this. Holy Spirit is going to convict you when you fall. Hey, listen, me and Holy Spirit, we, we've got a love-hating relationship, man, me and conviction. I hate the feeling, but I would hate it even more if I didn't get convicted. We're easily offended. See, we, we've taken on this offense now as, well, I, no, I, I'm not offended. I'm just standing up for what's right. I'm looking for justice. I'm offended. Can I tell you, justice and offense are not synonymous. See, offense carries with it bitterness, strife, angst, unforgiveness, and it's toxic to your soul. Taking a stand for what's right is called justice. Are you following me? And I can take a stand for what's right, even with you disagreeing me with, with me about it, and I'm still not offended at you. I can still love you. Just because we disagree doesn't make you my enemy. Man. See, when you carry and hold on to an offense, you cannot walk out justice because you're offended. And that offense you're carrying carries along with it bitterness, strife, and unforgiveness. You know, we say this all the time, hurt people, hurt people. Well, guess what? Offended people offend people. Listen, even if you're not a Christian, this is still good teaching for you. Still good teaching. For, for those that have freely received, for those that have swam in the grace and the love and forgiveness of God, Jesus says this, hey, be unoffendable. Be unoffendable. We used to, what was that pastor, Denise, you'll remember him. He says, I am not offended. And he would say it just like that. 
So it became a catchphrase to us. We would be out with each other and, I'm not offended. And and I think he got offended because we were making fun of him, but I'm not sure. (laughs) Can we let our guard down for a moment, though? For some of you, offense has become a friend to you. You've built a room onto your house for it. It stays there. It lives there. And if that's you, can I ask you a sincere question? When did that happen? When did what offends you begin to be your identity? When did what offend, your, that offense, that hurt, when did that take on, when did you take that on as who you are, your identity? When did it become okay for us as followers of Jesus to walk around offended all the time when we have been quickly and completely forgiven? When did it become okay for us to hold grudges when he's not holding a grudge against us? Man, some of you are thinking, well, PK, I can't forgive him because I don't trust him. Let me me clear this up. Forgiveness is not trust. Trust is earned. Forgiveness is given and can be immediately given. But after trust has been broken, it's got to be earned back. And so I'm not here up here telling you that you have to trust them, but you do have to release them. And here's what's so cool about that. When you release them, you're actually releasing yourself. So, see, I, I, here, here's the thing. I'm not up here preaching that you have to be friends and buddy buddies with that person that hurts you. In fact, there are some situations where you don't need to be friends with them that have hurt you. I, I'll never forget this. I was, uh, Denise and I were going through some counseling a few years back. And the counselor said, he said this, he said, if that person that hurt you is still walking around carrying a baseball bat, you don't have to trust them and be around them, but you do have to forgive them. If that person is still holding on to what hurts you, you don't have to be friend, friend, friendly friends with them. You cannot hold on to what that hurt. You cannot hold on to it. You don't have to full on trust, but forgiveness is not an option. It is, it, it is what it looks like to be moving toward wholeness. See, here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is you saying, I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to focus on it. I don't need to get on Facebook and talk about it and have it have it, me get all worked up about it. That's not going to do anything for me. It's not going to move me toward wholeness. It's not going to move me toward where I want to be. What I'm going to do with this hurt, this offense, this thing that's been done to me or to someone I love, what I'm going to do with it is I'm going to place it in the hands of God who is the rightful judge and the only really one that can judge. That's what I'm going to do with it. I'm moving on. I'm not going to allow this hurt, this offense, to tell me how to feel, how to react, how to respond anymore. 
Come on, for a lot of us, that hurt, that offense has been a thermostat for you. It decides the temperature in your heart. It decides how hot, how cold you are. And you need to become the thermostat where you decide when you walk in the room, am I going to be offended? No, not today. You decide. Let's move on. Let's get I got seven minutes. Anybody give me five more minutes? Here we go, five, 10, 15. I got 30 more minutes right there. Here we go. So, I am not offended. As we go. <laughs> Oh, Bob. Or is it Bobo? Hey, um, here's the truth. This is a place for broken people. It is a place for people that are jacked up, messed up. But there comes a time, guys, when we have to quit living the victim mentality of what happened to us back then. And then we decide to begin to take steps toward wholeness. And so, I heard a guy the other day that, and I'm going to be talking to him because I've got a counseling appointment set up, and they're not here, but I've heard him talk so much about what was done to him that it's become his identity. And some of you, that's become your identity. I, I don't make a lot of the fact of this, that there are people in this room, watch online, you've been molested. People that should have had your back hurt you. There are people in this room that a good friend stabbed you in the back. I don't, but there comes a time when that has to stop being our identity. And we begin to move toward wholeness to where we can show others that went through the crap we walked through that it can be done and they can be whole too. St. Augustine said this, resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And we know, we, we think, oh, that's just foolish. But yet we do it. We hold on to bitterness. We hold on to, un- to resentment, to unforgiveness, thinking it's hurting the other person when really it's eating away like a cancer in us. And I know in a crowd this size, there are some real hurts. There are people that have gone through some things. But I want this to be a community where you know it's safe for you to begin to take steps toward wholeness. I want to end with a story. See, I, I believe it's, it's possible to be whole or I wouldn't be up here preaching this. I do believe it's possible because me and Denise have walked through some, some, some where people have heard us and so we know it's possible to walk through that and come out whole. We know what it's like to walk through uh, something where people would call us to want to talk about this person that hurt us because they hurt them. And we would say, listen, we've got nothing bad to say about them because we chose 
to not to hold on to the offense. And we did not want to fuel somebody else's offense. Are you hearing me? Corey Ten Boom. I want to read an excerpt from her book, The Hiding Place, just to, to close this out. She says, it was in a church in Munich that I saw him. A balding, heavy-set man in a gray coat. A brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947, and I'd come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. She said, it was the truth they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land. And I gave them my favorite mental picture, maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind. And I like to think that that's where forgiven sins were thrown. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. She says, the solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence. And in silence, they collected their wraps. And in silence, they left the room. She says, that's when I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next moment I saw a blue uniform and a visor cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. And this man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. He says, a fine message. How good it is to know that as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. She says, and I who had spoken so finally of forgiveness fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take the hand. He would not remember me. Of course, how could he remember one prisoner among thousands of women? But I remembered him, she said. I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I'd been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. He said, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard there. She says he did not remember me. He goes on, but since that time, I had become a Christian. And I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Again, the hand came out and he said, will you forgive me? Corey says, I stood there. I whose sins had every day to be, had been forgiven and I could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. 
Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply by asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God had, God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If we do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Of course, says, I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. But those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was simple and horrible as that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. She says this, but forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will and the will can function regardless of the temperature of my heart. Jesus, help me, I pray silently. I, I can lift my hands. I can do my, that much. But God, you supply the feeling. She says, so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother. I forgive you with all my heart. She says, for a long moment, grasped each other's hands the former guard and the former prisoner I had never known God's love so intensely as I did in that moment the paragraph that stood out to me she said this those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able to return to the outside world rebuild their lives no matter the physical scars but those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. I looked up that word because I want to make sure. The definition of invalid is someone made weak or disabled by an illness or an injury. I wonder how many people in this room have been made weak been taken out of the game because you've nursed or held on to bitterness or unforgiveness because you've held on to some things that were done to you said to you, done to someone you love and you've never been able to get past it here's what I'm convinced of there are people in here you need to forgive a parent, a mom and dad Maybe somebody that walked out on you. Maybe someone that abused you physically, sexually, verbally. Some of you may be a spouse, an ex-spouse. You need to forgive. Some of you may be a friend that stabbed you in the back. You trusted them. And they hurt you. 
not here to tell you. I'm here to tell you, today is an opportunity for you to begin to walk toward wholeness. Stand with me across this room. Heads bowed, eyes closed. This has got to be a, a moment of vulnerability and honesty for you. If you would say, PK, man, I've been hurt. I'm holding on to some things. And I didn't even realize it. it happened so long ago, and I thought I'd walk past it, got past it, but now, man, it's still there I've been hurt I've walked through some things and if I'm being honest I've not let it go I'm still holding on to bitterness I'm still holding on to some unforgiveness I'm still holding on to this hurt not because I, I don't want to let it go I just don't know how to let it go if that's you today just be honest and that's me I I've got some hurt, some unforgiveness, some things that I've not let go. But I want God to deal with them. If that's you, just raise your hand. Yeah, all over the place. All over the place. Put your hands down. Prayer team, come on up. Those that raised your hand, look at me. This next step is going to be tough. But here's what I'm convinced of. What you're doing is physically you're making a move where I'm not staying here. I'm moving toward wholeness in Christ. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you, step out. Begin to take those moves, those steps toward wholeness. And let us join with you. And, and prayer team, Here's what I, I want you to really be, be uh, what Holy Spirit's saying, because I believe God may use some of you to represent the person that hurt them and may use you to say, I'm sorry I hurt, hurt you. And help them to release. I, I don't know. I just want you to really be sensitive to what Holy Spirit is saying. If you raise your hand, one, two, three, get out. That's it. Come on. Come on. Don't Don't delay. Don't wait. Don't, don't wait. Don't see if somebody else is going to do it. No, get up here now. Get up here now. That's it. That's it. Man, we need some more prayer team uh, uh, up here. Yeah, come on up. Crystal, can you come up and help pray? So we got several ladies. Hey, Kel, would you mind praying with this gentleman right over here?